0: JFC, good to see you. Good to be back. A couple things, real quick. You just saw our promo for uh, our men's advance, our retreat coming up. I want to encourage you. uh, You know, so often, I think uh, as as men, um, believing men, you know, we take our responsibility as uh, spiritual leaders in our household seriously, and we make sure that our wives are taken care of. We make sure that our children are taken care of. And I think that so many times uh, a man can tend to, it's like when it's time to go to a doctor. Men, men can look at you and go, what's a doctor? Um, you know, they don't go for years and years and years and, and just, just sort of neglect themselves sometimes. And uh, I would encourage you, don't let that happen in your spiritual life. Position yourself in a place where you can receive from God, where God can speak to you, where he can give you what you need to be able to lead your family effectively. Sort of the old cliche is this, you can only give what you have. You agree with that statement? You you just, you can't give it if you don't have it. And this is an opportunity for God to be able to give to you in a great way. So I want to encourage you, even if you're sort of new or maybe you've never gone before, maybe it's been a little while, it's a wonderful place to make connection. Great opportunity just to get to know a little bit more uh, about our church while in the, uh, in the atmosphere and the presence of God being able to do something. So make, uh, make an effort to be there. I just want to invite you personally, all of our campuses, uh, this is your personal invitation. Uh, be at our retreat. Um, it's a chance to spend time with some of the pastors too. I know I'm looking forward to being up there uh, this year and being able to, to uh, just um, hang out and, and, and hear what God has for us. So the way that you would do that, go online, jfc.org. And uh, you can uh, register there. If for whatever reason you have trouble finding that, then uh, Pastor DeMay, Pastor Dan, had said to me, give them my email. And and I said, are you sure about that? He said, absolutely. So uh, any question that you have in the universe? (laughs) Can't sleep one night? Just want to shoot the breeze with Dan. Here it is. Dan, D A N at jfc.org. Dan at jfc.org. So if you can't find it, I'm being facetious. If you can't find it on the website or have a question, uh, please contact Pastor Dan and he'll be happy to, uh, to help you with, uh, with anything that you have there. Uh, I've just got one other thing and then we'll jump into our notes. If you want to grab them uh, while you're doing that, I'll welcome all of our campuses, not just Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch and Castle Rock and Lakewood, the folks that are live streaming us and the folks that will be listening. Uh, later on, however, you're a part of the greater JFC family, we do want to welcome you and thank you uh, for being a part of it this weekend. Uh, just got back from our vacation, our summer vacation, and if you are um, if you've been around here any length of time, uh, we have a tradition for our, our summer vacation for the last 20 years. We started in '94. We've gone to Phoenix every summer. And you may go, "Why in the world do you go to Phoenix in the summertime?" Uh, Phoenix is cheap in the, in the summertime. <laughs> And uh, 20 years ago, when when uh, we we had a very young family, and um, uh, we we needed a very affordable vacation, it it just it made sense. You you don't measure it by how much you get done there. You measure it by uh, pool time and just hanging out time. So now our vacations have turned into, and some of you may may relate to this. Our children are all grown now, and uh, two of them have their own families. They're they're married. Uh, Most of them don't live at home any longer. And to be able to find time more than a a dinner or more than just a a passing conversation, it's rare and it's important to me personally to try to create that time for my family. So what we do is we rent a house actually down there and then the kids all come uh, and their time overlaps with each other but they get time sort of unqualified with Chris and I and us with them. We just had a great time. But let let me tell you that the highlight for me, the thing that... Uh, stuck in my memory, and there were several. Killed a rattlesnake, had several things that went on. Um, but this was this was the one we went to. I don't know how many of you remember the Rainforest Cafe. Do you, do you remember what that is? Sort of a, um, um, a, a cafe that's styled after the jungle, and they've got animatronic gorillas and elephants and all of that. And it's fun taking the grandkids there because they can't quite distinguish, the younger ones, between what's real and what's not real. It's that, you know, that panic when the gorillas start to move. And so we, we were sitting there, and you have to go through their gift shop to get in and through their gift shop to get out, and they've, they've set it up just perfectly. Well, we sit down, all of us are there, a uh, great big group, and uh, I'm sitting next to my oldest grandchild, Isabel, and they come out, and they have these little cups in the shape of a frog, and they're expensive. They're about $10 a piece, and the kids get, you know, it's, you get a frog out of the deal, and so they asked their mom and dad, Marcus and Amy, said, hey, can we get these? And like good parents, Marcus and Amy said, absolutely not. You can't have them. And, and I said, well, Chris and I were planning on picking up the tab tonight. So would it be okay if, if we let them get it? And they, they relented uh, for, for my sake. And so we got the kids these drinks. And Isabel leans over to me. She goes, Papa, you sure know how to treat kids. And that, that was... <laughs> that that. Not a better, better thing that can be said to a papa than that right there. <laughs> Seven years old, and she realizes it already. So, good to be back. Um, just excited to be here. Uh, look, look forward to teaching again, and uh, I hope you're having a good summer, too. Let's jump into this. We're in a series called You Ask For It, and if you remember the way that it started... Uh, several weeks ago, in fact, a couple of months ago we had come to you and said we just felt like we'll let you pick our summer series out, what we're going to talk about. We asked you to send questions in to us that you'd like us to address, things that maybe maybe normally we wouldn't address or uh, that a normal series wouldn't allow for, and we let you decide what our series was going to be. So all of the things that we're talking about are actually questions that come from someone in one of our campuses someplace. Uh, amazingly enough, uh, really, there were only maybe seven, eight, nine questions. They were just asked different ways, if you can imagine that, and that's, that's pretty much true of the way that it goes. I think that, that people, a lot of times, kind of think the same things. Are, we're in culture, and we're experiencing a lot of same things, so that's where the questions come from. Now, here, here's part of what I put in the notes that I think would be uh, interesting for you, and, and let, me, let me just say this before I go there. I want to thank our teaching team. What allows me the great luxury, and it is a luxury, and it is a blessing, and I appreciate being able to absolutely do it. It means so much to me and my family to be able to go on vacation. So I've got a staff that can absolutely just run things so well and a teaching team that doesn't let anything fall down. And I wanted to thank our teaching team, uh, this campus, all of our campuses. Can we just let them know? I think they did an awesome job. So here, here was just a thought. How do you view this series right here? Uh, my question in putting it together was, okay, you know, normally we pray, we hear from God, we put the series together with the idea that we want our people to grow. We want longevity and we want spiritual growth for you. In this series, we let you decide that, and a lot of the questions just have to do with culture. How do we respond as believers to the culture or to the things we see in culture? My question inside my heart was, okay, this is great to talk about, but does it, will people really grow from this spiritually? Is it something that people will grow from? And and I, I, I the, the answer to that, I guess, sort of, for me, uh, if you said, would they, will they will there just be an explosion of spiritual growth, I'm not sure that that would be how you measure this series. But this is true. Would you not agree that as believers, we have a position and a voice that God wants us to absolutely speak to in this world? And so many times, I, I just put this in your notes, you'll see it right here, that that what the church refuses to speak to we give the right for the world to define you understand that right there when we shut our mouths about sex and sexuality what happens the world immediately fills that vacuum and speaks to it don't they when we shut our mouths about how we're to be with other people or how we're to respond to situations the world immediately and then they set culture and then the church is left trying to catch up or to scream hey wait a minute And I'm not sure that that's it all the way. We should be leading it, don't you think? We should be speaking to these things first and saying this is what God's position is on these issues right here and how to work it out and what it means. So I put in this today, we're going to talk about the title of the message, To Be Green or Not. To Be Green or Not. One of the questions was, uh, many of the questions were on ecology. That is a a hot-button issue in our, our society today. Rightfully so. Much is written about it, much is said about it. Here's what I put in the notes that I think is, uh, is probably where the majority of believers find themselves when it comes to this issue. Number one, I think that uh, there are three reasons believers are mostly silent about ecology. They're not leading this issue. They're sort of playing catch up or they're criticizing the, the things that they see from the side. And I don't think that's the place that God wants us. So let me give you the three reasons I believe believers are mostly silent about ecology. Number one, the New Age propaganda that comes with it. Yes or no? I mean, it's clearly there. Uh, I I have this this picture for you. I thought this would be interesting. Take a look at this right here. It's a picture of of Mother Earth. Mother Nature watching over the Earth. And pretty much when you hear about uh, ecology, it's always got the New Age propaganda with it. Mother Earth, love your mother. And even now, you know, it began, I think, my generation coming up in the late 60s and the 70s, ecology became a very big issue they began to teach in school. But now kids are indoctrinated with the world's position on ecology from the time they hit preschool. Yeah. They are taught that over and over and over again with the idea look, here's the world's philosophy on ecology that all of everything's just one big thing. All, all of nature is God. We all fit into it. When we die, we, we go back to nature and to the universe, and it's all just one big thing. And clearly, as Christians, we believe this, that there are two things. There is God and there is us. And God invites us into that relationship with Him. But it's two separate things. We're not God. The trees are not God. We don't worship the earth as God. We see the earth as being created by God for us to live on, to enjoy, to receive, and to watch over. So let me give you the second thing real quick that I think that probably sidelines Christians when it comes to the issue of ecology and its political agendas that come with the ecology. Yes or no? You see that now as a huge hot-button issue in society today. Uh, I won't say which city, but one of the cities we planted a campus in. How many of you know the name Al Gore? Just checking. Come on. So Al Gore did a movie called An Inconvenient Truth. Don't know if you saw it or not. And here's here's the issue. Whether you agree with it or not, you have to agree with this. It certainly is a political tool for a particular way to run this world. So that one of the places we put a campus in, that city adopted that movie as its charter for how to control all growth for the future. So we had to submit to Al Gore's idea of what what should happen on this planet in order to plant a church. And it is a political agenda that comes with it that I think for so many Christians... How about this? Ecology, uh, what spoke to ecology early on was a uh, 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 left-wing part and parcel of our government that sort of adopted it early on. And and so many times now, ecology, if if you say you're an ecologist, it sort of lumps you in, well, you must be uh, liberal or left-wing. And so many believers find themselves on the other side of that issue that we just sort of like we don't address it. Do you you see that? And again, we're playing catch-up. We should have spoke. We should have owned it. We should have owned it. This world, it, it was given by God to us, and we should have owned what he said about it. Instead, we sat back and allowed it to be identified with a political agenda, which then forces us to, well, I can't agree with that, so now we're just quiet. The last one, maybe, that I think probably uh, puts believers at a mostly silent uh, position when it comes to ecology is that they're just simply biblically unaware of what God does say about ecology. How does God feel about the earth? What's God's position for the church in the earth? What are we supposed to do with it? What, what, what is supposed to happen with it? And I think that so many Christians are just simply biblically unaware of what the Bible's position is and what God, uh, why God created the earth. So here's what I put in your notes and follow along with me. Let me give you what you need to know about ecology. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for when it comes up, you can speak to these things or you can jump into these things. You should at the very least if you don't adopt what I'm about to say or practice what I'm about to say, you should at least consider, is what our pastor is saying to us, is this God's viewpoint on this issue? Is it biblical? Because if it is, then we should, if, if this is God, God's people should get behind it, no questions asked. You agree with that? So let me just say, here's, here's how I think the context of ecology should be framed. Number one, the earth belongs to God. As a believer, look at me. If this doesn't stir you, this, really, this message is not about, hey, take your trash with you tonight. <laughs> and this message is not go home and recycle. And this message is not going to be uh, reduce, uh, reuse, recycle, whatever. Yeah, I, Sorry. <laughs> it's not that I don't believe in it. In fact, let me tell you a quick story. I don't know if this happens to you. Sometimes I think it's just a ruse that public services excel. I have excel. They send me a letter once a month to tell me where I rank at with all of my neighbors as far as power use. Does anybody else get that letter? <laughs> that letter bugs me, man. That letter aggravates me. Because out of 99 people, I'm 97. And that bugs me because I'm trying to do something about it. So let me give you an example. We go on vacation. I turn the air off. Not up, off. I shut everything down. I unplug everything. I come back. I get my public service bill. It's the same as it was. And then the letter comes. And guess what? I'm 98. (laughs) And I was gone. Go figure. I think it's just like, let's just make him paranoid about using anything. So it's not that I don't believe it, I just... So the earth belongs to God. And as a believer, this message will not be just simply go home and do these things so that uh, you you feel... Here's the thing. If this earth does belong to God, and we are God's people, then we have a responsibility for what we do with it. And this is more about lordship than it is about anything else. So that if you're a believer, look at me very quickly, and you're not stirred up to honor God with what He's given you, your priorities are out of whack. Bottom line. If He is the Lord of your life, then what He thinks is important, you should think is important. The earth belongs to God, Psalms 89, 11. Look at this really cool scripture. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all it contains, you have founded them. That's a powerful scripture. The earth belongs to the Lord. Let me say this very quickly. If what I just said to you is true, that it belongs to God, and that we then as believers have to consider how we take care of it because it belongs to Him. Let me give you two extreme positions if you take God out of the equation when it comes to the earth. The first one is if you remove God from the equation of ecology, then the temptation is to worship the earth as God. Yeah. And we see that all over society today. Yeah. People elevate the earth as it's the issue. It's the thing. It's what we live for. It's what we've got to think about. It's over everything else. And the truth of the matter is they begin to worship the earth. And there's a scripture. This is nothing new. It's not something for 2014. It's been on this planet as long as the planet has been here. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Paul writes and says, Of the, the popular culture of that day, here's what happened. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Now listen to this. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They took God out of the equation and they began to worship the things God created instead of the creator. This is not some new thing for our generation. It's always been here. It's a ploy of the enemy. When you remove God from the equation, then the temptation, one of the extremities is you worship the earth like God. Here's the other one. When you remove God from the equation, when you don't recognize that he created it and that he's over it, it belongs to him, then the temptation is it doesn't matter, so we abuse the earth. So there's two extremes here, to worship it as God or just to simply abuse it, not care about it, waste it. What's our position in the situation here? I would say it's simply this, that if the earth belongs to God, then number two, we are His stewards. Now, it's an old-fashioned word that I know we don't use very much today, but I would put it in the context of, if you're a believer, here's how you look at what a steward is. In Psalms chapter 8, 4 through 8, interesting verse of Scripture. What is mankind that you are mindful of them... Human beings that you care for them, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Now look at this part right here. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Don't take it off yet. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. If God made this earth and it belongs to Him, then our position on this earth is that He put us here and put us over as stewards the creation of this earth. Therefore, if this belongs to God, then how we take care of the earth reflects whether or not we get who we are in this world. And when we sit on the side and the world speaks to this issue or a political persuasion hijacks it and we're just running trying to catch up and we don't, we don't know what to do so we just avoid it. Folks, we're making a critical mistake here. Because if it belongs to God, one of the ways we show the world that we believe in God and that we cherish Him above everything else is how we take care of what He's given us. That's, good. That's what a steward is. Stewardship is everything. When it comes to the Bible, stewardship is everything when it comes to being rewarded by God. What do we get rewarded on? Our stewardship, our faithfulness, how we treat it. He gives to us gifts. He gives to us abilities. He gives to us all sorts of opportunities. And then when it's all said and done, we stand before him. He asks us, what did you do with what I gave you? And that's what we get rewarded on. And the earth is one of those issues. So that then let me do it this way. Maybe this would be the best way to go about it. If the earth belongs to God, we are his stewards. God calls us as caretakers of the earth. Then let me give you the last one. What we do on this planet should be done for the glory of God, yes or no? Yes. All right, now let me put this in a context where maybe it makes sense. Because I joked a minute ago and I said the message is not going to be take your trash home with you. But here's the truth of the matter. What you do with your trash shows whether or not you get what we're supposed to do with this planet. So what do I mean by that? All right. Let me talk about becoming a person of excellence. This is not for you. This is what God has done for me. This is not me telling you, you need to go home and do this. This message challenged me years ago. One of my pastors asked me, have you ever spoke on this subject before? And I said, actually, I have. Years and years ago, before we ever started the church, as an associate pastor, I talked on our responsibility to this planet. And I told them the message went over. About like that, right? That, yeah. <laughs> the pastor said, well, it's a new day. Here's what I... Unless you get the lordship part of this message? It just won't make sense. You'll put the earth in a context it's not supposed to be in, or you'll abuse it because you don't get it and you don't care about it. Gosh, how would I I say this? Uh, There were just several things several years ago that the Lord began to challenge me to do that if I really got bringing glory to God by how I treated treated everything in my life. Let me say it this way. Whatever you conquer, you are now responsible for. And this is where we misunderstand. We think we conquer it and then ignore it. It's like we get a, a marriage. A man wins his wife and as soon as he gets married, now on to other things. And his poor wife is like, hey, you work so hard to get my heart. Where are you? Well, I'm conquering other. Whatever you conquer, you're now responsible for. God put us on this planet. The word conquer was given to us. Male and female, conquer it. But that doesn't mean to conquer it, step on it. It means to, hey, put it underneath dominion and take care of it when it's under dominion. Does that make sense? All right, so whatever is in our capacity that, that we're over, we actually are responsible for If you are married, sir, you are responsible for your family. Thank you for that hearty (laughs) agreement. So let me say this. How do I... I didn't know how how in-depth I wanted to go on this, but I, I will just... How my wife feels... how she looks, how she interacts, I see as my opportunity to show this world that I get my responsibility towards her. How healthy my children are and, and their ability to do, wor- to, to do well in this world, I see as th- that God gave this to me. The way that I do this shows people that I get I'm doing this for the glory of God. The way that I pastor my church, the way that I teach, the way that I try to care and watch over, I do it for the glory of God. You can disagree with me on, you you may not like my style, but you'll never be able to say to me, you're not passionate about what you do. And I'm not passionate just because I'm an excited person. I'm passionate because I'm doing this for the glory of God. I want you to know, man, this is is important because it's important to God. I do this as an act of worship when I stand up here. It's a way that I worship God. So some of the things God challenged me on when it comes to this issue, in a supermarket parking lot. How many of you ever pulled up and the baskets are all over everywhere? You ever been to that market? Like everyone that's out there, right? You don't need to go do this. But I pulled into a, mar- a market uh, 20 years ago, and I, here's what I did. There was a basket on this side, a basket on this side, and one in the front, and I guided my car right in between all of them. <laughs> right? Got out and thought, man, that's a good parking job. Walked away from it. <laughs> Complained about the baskets that were all around, but just didn't do anything about it. Walked back out, and one of them had scratched my car. And I was so mad. Went back in the store. I was going to make them pay for it. Try that sometime a fun exercise. <laughs> Through it all, here's what the Lord said to me. From now on, you're not allowed to pull in and ignore the baskets. Doesn't matter if anybody else gets it. Doesn't matter if anybody else does it. This isn't about anybody else. This is about you. If you get caretaking, every basket that's in your lane when you pull in, gather together and go put them in the dump thing. And I do that every stinking time. And I just want to correct many of you who leave your baskets out and about. (laughs) This This is the one that really... How many times do you just walk over trash? You just walk over it, man. You hate that it's there, but you just walk over it. The Lord challenged me, all trash that you walk over, I don't have to go, you know, find it, but all trash that I walk over, God makes me pick it up and put it in the trash can. Doesn't matter if anybody else does, and I'm not preaching this for you to go do it. I'm not putting anybody under the law at all. It's what God challenged me with because, listen to me, when you get the stewardship issue, when you do this, it's an act of worship. And I'm not trying to impress you. I I don't do it. This is just what I do. So I do this as an act of worship for the glory of God. I was at the hospital recently, the, the new university hospital out in Aurora. And I don't know if they just had like a, uh, somebody with a latte machine pulled up and, you know, people like... <laughs> and, but between my car and going to that hospital, there must have been 30 latte cups. So I got this stack of latte cups I'm walking into the hospital with. Hey, where's your trash can at? It's one was like, what are you doing? So you wouldn't get it. I'm just <laughs> picking up trash. <laughs> this issue, you cannot go because I disagree politically with who has adopted this issue, or because of the new age propaganda behind it, or because look. Once you leave here tonight, you're not biblically unaware either. Your life should be lived in everything that you do for the glory of God. If you're a believer, everything that you do should be for the glory of God. The way you spend your money, it is okay. Spend your money on what you want to spend it on. But if you really get stewardship, it begins to guide what you do with money. And you can enjoy your money, but you shouldn't be throwing your money away you get that? When it comes to giving, it should be, listen, you should never give because you're compelled under the law, ever. Give to the glory of God. Amen. Give because you get it. Give because you understand. It's an opportunity to worship God. The way we talk to people, the way we interact in this world, if you get it, it's a chance to do it for the glory of God. And if you don't get it, then one of two things will happen. You remove God from the equation, you worship people, or you abuse people. You can apply that equation in everything in life. If you don't get God with money, you'll worship money, or you'll abuse money. It's in every sector of society. And if you're a believer, I'm challenging you right now. This is a lordship issue. This is not just, hey, whatever happens, happens, or I'm just kind of blissfully going through life. You are a steward and responsible. Own that. And if you go, why should I, what does it even matter? I'll say it just this way, this this concluding thought. In our own, going after our own way, we sin against God. We did our own thing. We, we went our own way. We rejected God and ended up with a fallen world. We had no way of fixing it, no way to patch it, no way to make it right. God looked down at our situation and took the responsibility for what we did. Not what he did, but what we did on his own shoulders and sent Jesus to make it right for us. If you get, as a believer, what Jesus has done for you, then part of the way you live your life is that saying, take responsibility. Whether somebody knows it, cares for it, does it or not, you do it because you get it. Yep. Yeah. Be a person of excellence. A person who everything they do, they do it for the glory of God. Does that make sense? Yep. So, Father, we love you. And it really is an opportunity right now that, Lord, as we just close out at all of our campuses this message. God, if we get it, it's the chances we worship right now to worship to the glory of God. It's a chance, Father, to right now give to you what you want. God, you want us. And it's our desire to give that to you. Father, we love you. We want to order our lives the way that you want us to order our lives, putting you as the priority, as the first as above and over everything. Everything we have belongs to you. God, tonight, it's not about feeling bad. It's not about feeling guilty. It's not about being condemned. It's about walking out of here tonight going, everything in my hand is because God put it there and it belongs to him. How does he want me to steward what he's given me? And it begins with us, putting him as the Lord of our lives, putting everything underneath his feet, our worship pastors are going to come right now and the song that's chosen is specifically the idea of making him the Lord of all. Jesus as king, as number one, as the first, as above everything, as Lord. So you just worship the Lord right now. Settle that issue in your heart. Invite him to be number one. Make it your priority. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand to your feet, please.